Here we are in the middle of the most popular time of the year for family get-togethers, and if you are the grandparents of more than one grandchild, how do you make each of them feel special? How do you make sure that they are seen and heard for who they are as an individual contributing member of the family? Let's talk about that for a while. I'm Emily Morgan, and welcome to The Grand Life. Welcome, Mike. You're back. I am back, and I brought a friend with me, a cold. Yeah, I know. I sound a little different, but I'm glad to be in a chat episode again with you. Yeah, it's just a cold, so no worries. But you know, upper respiratory stuff is happening everywhere. We were masked for like so long, and now we're just getting them all the time, getting these colds. Let's chat a little bit about what kind of family we came from. And while we're doing that, you you can all think about what kind of family you came from and where you fit in your family tree. Mike, what about you? Well, I had two siblings. I was the last grandchild to all of my living grandparents. I was the third of three on one side and the fourth of four on the other. So you do the math, me plus two siblings and a grand total of four grandkids, that means I only had one first cousin. She was nearly 10 years older than I was. I barely remember her. Cousins, aunts, and uncles, they were really not a thing for me growing up, but grandchildren were a big deal for one of the grandmothers in my family, the one who later in life moved to the town where I grew up in. So we saw a lot of her. Yeah, she was wonderful. She was great. And because of her, we have, as people from from two episodes ago will know, Granny Lou's roles. Yep. Fantastic. I don't know if anybody else has roles that they enjoy as much as we do. But anyway, that's funny because you were basically the baby of both sides. I was the baby of the cousin pool and in my own family, right? Yeah. That's interesting. Although I was the baby in my family, I was sixth of 11 on one side of my family and third of seven on the other. So kind of smack dab in the middle of both. And you had 10 first cousins. That's right. Wow. Yeah. I wasn't the oldest or the youngest, not the only girl, not the only anything. So what happens when you're stuck in the middle and part of a crew? I mean, think about that. I think you get your identity more from your cousins than from your grandparents because your grandparents are kind of busy and you're kind of like, I don't know, not, I don't want to say not that important, but you know, the, the blooms off the rose. The, I'm not the newest grandchild or the, you know, the youngest. So kind of like in the middle. So you have more of your own space within the, the cousin pool than you do within the grandchild pool, even though it's the same people. Yeah, isn't it funny? Hmm. So I'm, I mentioned that for a reason. But first of all, there's something really special I want to mention about being part of a big group. And that, you know, that is the thing about having a lot of cousins. So, uh, you know, it has its downsides. Um, I didn't really feel like I was seen and heard that much as a grandchild, but you know, they did their best, of course. But as you know, it takes a lot of work to make sure that happens. As a grandparent, you have to, there's a lot of intentionality that has to go towards that. So I thought maybe today we would take some time to talk about traditions that we've created as grandparents to try to make each grandchild feel special. Now, we are at 10 now, nothing like the 24 that we we interviewed Mike and uh, 
Dina, that's more than double what we have. And I can't even imagine it. And when we were talking about birth order, I think that's actually a little bit important because you can find connection with your grandchildren according to your birth order. For example, we have a granddaughter, Amelia, who is our seventh grandchild. And she has the same situation as I had when I was the seventh of my grandparents on my dad's side. So, you know, I can point that out to her. Like, I, she's also the youngest of three girls, and I was the youngest of three girls. So I mention that sometimes to her, and that's a point of connection. I can say to her, oh, I know how you feel. I was the youngest of three girls, and sometimes that's hard, and sometimes they leave you out, or you don't win, you know, you don't win board games because you're younger and you don't really understand how that works yet. And so you sometimes get taken advantage of or whatever. I can talk to her about that. I can connect with her on that level. I have another granddaughter who's my third grandchild, like I was the third grandchild on my mom's side. So there's another point of connection. So what I guess what I'm saying is take your birth order um, in both your nuclear family and their extended family and try to find that connection that you can make with the grandchild that fits that same description. So, Mike, you might be able to relate a little more to uh, our grandson, who's the youngest of two boys, and he's the youngest. So you're the youngest, and, you know, you can kind of bring that up occasionally with him. Yeah, and I'm a third-born. Right, so look for kids who are third-borns and, you know, your grandchildren who are third-borns. And those both happen to be girls in the families that have three or more. That's true. Anyway, I think it's it's one way that you can connect with your grandchildren, Um, especially when you have a lot of them. The next thing that I want to talk about is each month uh, we call our grands on what we call their birthday date. And they absolutely love it. And I would recommend it to any of you. Um, it did take them a while to get used to it because it is such a, an unusual thing. Yeah, they don't understand it. So let me explain. Every month, if they were born, for example, on the 6th of the month, whatever month they were born, every month on the 6th, I call that child and we sing, happy birthday date to you, happy birthday date to you, da 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 And we talk to them. And a lot of times it's just me. Sometimes you do it too. But I I get on the phone and I talk to them and ask them how they're doing and what's going on in their lives and, you know, have a really kind of deeper conversation with them than I normally have. And they absolutely love it. They look forward to it. They get upset if I don't call because occasionally, like if it's on the 6th, I might call on the 7th and say, oh, I'm so sorry. I missed your birthday date. But I'll tell you what I was thinking when I started that was someday they're going to be walking across campus at college and it's going to be their birthday date and I'm going to call them and I'm hoping that they will pick up. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm sure that with that kind of tradition, they will look forward to that grandparent call once a month and will probably call me back. I'm sure there will some, some will miss it. But I still think it's a really important tradition that we started. And I look forward to that when they become adults, even. So I think that's a great way to find connection. I have these little stickers that I bought that are telephones, old-fashioned looking telephone colors, different colors. And I put them on my calendar. And that's how I remember to call them. I know you can put reminders on your phone. 
I hate doing that. And I love my calendar on my desk. So Mike keeps trying to get me to use Google Calendar and all sorts of other reminders for things. It's friendly encouragement. I just don't want you to get left behind. I know. That's the thing, <laughs> isn't it? I'm just like not ready to go there. I have the same problem with Spotify and Apple Music. I, I just want to put a CD in or something. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. Yeah, it's really hard. And I bet there are plenty of people listening who are nodding their heads up and down saying, yeah, you know, a physical CD or piece of vinyl is uh, it's not so bad. I know. The other thing that we do to make sure that each child feels unique and individualized is that I have these little notebooks for each of them that I write in once in a while. And I'm not talking about writing in it even once a week. I mean, I'm lucky sometimes if I write once or twice a year. But uh, it's a little notebook, and I plan on giving that to them when they graduate from high school. Hopefully they'll be able to still read cursive. <laughs> I'm thinking about that as I've been writing. I'm like, they might be having to hand it to somebody and say, what does that say? I can't, I can't read it. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I write to them about if I've been thinking about them, if there's been something happening politically or, you know, globally that I think is just really important. And I, or I, I just feel special, something special that day about some music I heard that made me think of them. Um, and I'm hoping that when they get that, when they graduate, I mean, even if they only had, I mean, 18 entries, that's 18 more entries from a grandparent than many of us ever have, right? Yep, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I figure I try not to kill myself over it. There's 10 kids and sometimes I just don't want to write because I'm writing for other things. But I just do think it's a really important way to make them feel special. I'm not writing the same thing to each of them. So it's, it's like a very personalized thing for them. The next thing is anytime we have a little time alone, we try to make sure that we focus on them specifically. And the way we can do that is being aware of their teachers' names, trying to remember what kinds of foods they like, who their friends are. I ask them those kinds of things when I'm talking to them, not just on their birthday date, but anytime we have any, you know, alone time, even if it's a very short period of time in the car or um, while they're sitting at the table and they haven't left the table yet and everybody else has. So trying to remember their personal lives. One of the guests I had one time said, I guess it was Jerry, I don't remember, he said something like, don't just ask them about how their day went at school. Like, that's that's all they ever hear from old people is, how was your day at school? Yeah, you know, you can do this in stages, right? You can, you can ask specific questions like Jerry was suggesting. What was the funniest thing you heard all day? Yeah. What made you laugh today? What was the coolest new information that you learned today? You yeah. take it a step further, though, because you make notes about the th subjects that they are taking, the friends that they are have. Yeah. And so your questions can be even more engaging. And I have watched their level of engagement on these calls skyrocket when you ask them a pointed question about something that n you wouldn't know had you not been paying attention. Right? right, right. So pay attention. That's really important. And if you if you know their friends' names, it's great. You can say, did you get to see Isla this week? And what was she saying? And, you know, what was she doing today? That They just want to share, obviously. I mean, if somebody came up to you and just constantly said, how was work today? And that's all they said. You might get a little bored with that and feel like they just weren't all that interested in you specifically. 
They were just asking you a question in general. Good point. Yeah. Okay. Um, the next thing is try to make their gifts unique to them. Um, I love gift giving, but I know not everybody does. Uh, but I think it is an important element to making someone feel special. Now, some people just give their kids money, but you could even, in a card, if you're going to give them money, you could even say, use this to get whatever, the thing that they are most interested in that you know they like, you know. So you don't want to just throw gifts at them as if, you know, every kid's getting this and this is the most popular gift this year. You really want to try to think of them and what they like, a book that you think that would be a subject they really like. We have one granddaughter who loves foxes. So maybe picking a book out about foxes, that even a fiction book about foxes, you know, that kind of thing, so that they really feel seen and heard by you. The last thing I want to say is that when you have a ton of grandchildren, and for example, when we all got together at Thanksgiving, there were 20 of us and 10 grandchildren, there was a lot of activity, find moments when you can talk with them, like even on a stairway or on the couch or when you see them alone, take the moment to go over to them and make sure that they are feeling loved and listened to. think part of this is you really have to be observant. You really have to watch. And I know that's hard when you're making food and you're with your, your own adult children, but it's just really important if you want to have that lengthy relationship with your grandchild that extends beyond when they're obligated to be at your house. <laughs> so, because I'm thinking, you know, eventually they've got you know, by the time they're teenagers, they have soccer, they have basketball, they have ballet, they have all these other things that are really taking their time. And you want to make sure that you have a unique relationship with them that will draw them to you and they'll feel comfortable with you. So now that we've talked about how to make them feel unique, let's talk a little bit about how do you make them feel like a team, like they are all the cousins are a big team because that's a that's an element of it. Of course, for you, Mike, it wasn't as much there because there weren't that many cousins. And it becomes more important the bigger that team is because right. the chaos is hard on everybody. Right. So how do you make them feel like a team? So do sports outside, do fishing together, do rocket launching. I know... Um, Mike, you've been doing rocket launching with them for years now. And one of the ways, how do you make them feel like it's both a team thing and an individual thing? Well, they get involved on assembly to the extent that they can, and then they all can do painting. And I take a kind of a low control approach to the painting. You know, it gets a little <laughs> crazy sometimes. You didn't mention that they each get to pick out their own rocket. So it's not like they're just painting a rocket. And you, you, you ask them what color they like, yeah. what, what they want to do with it. They have ownership. Yeah, total ownership of it. And it's huge for them, I think. And they love it. They love to go out as a group and they all shoot off their own rockets and run and catch them when they fall. And hopefully there's none in a tree. Although I think last summer we, we left one in the tree. We did. It was the one that I built. So <laughs> fortunately, it wasn't any, any personal tragedy for any of them. Yeah. But, you know, you live, you learn. So um, 
The other thing is we take group vacations, family vacations, every two years. Um, and I, the reason that's every two years is because I understand that they also have extended family on the other side of their um, family. So they have a husband or a wife who has a family, and they need to be doing things with their own family. So we, we try to just, you know, give them a little time to celebrate with their other side. And then we ask, can we all get together um, every other year? And, and that turns out to be, you know, not too big of an ask. And so we usually get together in the summers. Um, we go to the beach or we go to the mountains or, you know, we kind of rent a place. And well, originally, Mike and I paid for the place that we rented. But as, as things have happened, um, we have children who are making more money than we are. And so it's kind of like, well, can, can you pay for So they have offered, the kids have all offered to pay their own way. And it's a bit, you know, it's a sacrifice. But because when you're trying to get a house and rent a place that's for 20 people, you're talking about quite a big expense. So uh, we go in on it together. And if you're interested, there is an article um, by Paula Spann, who was on our podcast earlier, about family vacations, family get-togethers. And she featured us. There's actually a picture of our family having a get-together uh, in, uh, where were we, Gatlinburg, yeah. Tennessee. It's in the online version of the New York Times. And if I can find the link for it, I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, it was really fun. It was fun to talk with her, and it's also fun to have those vacations. Another thing you can do is, as a group, if you want to create kind of a group feel, but also do individual things within that group, you could do some kind of crafting. Um, We decorate every time the kids come to our house on Thanksgiving, we decorate gingerbread houses, and each kid does that, but we do that as a big group around a big table, and the kids absolutely love it it's so much fun it's i'm sure you've seen it on our facebook page but we might put another picture up because we just did it for thanksgiving and it was a lot of fun and one little tip um one of our daughters had saved all the halloween candy that their kids had gotten because they don't really like to eat all that much and they had tons of it and so she brought it all over and (laughs) they um, decorated their gingerbread houses with halloween candy and it was really not bad. It's kind of fun. Those little pumpkins actually look kind of cute and colorful on top of Pop-Tarts. You can also take walks together. You can do movie nights together. We have fake snowball fights. I bought a bunch of those fake snowballs, and we do fake snowball fights, which the kids think is so fun. We do that in the basement. Um, We play games, like we like to play bingo, which is a family game that you can all play pretty much every age, except for the tiniest ones. And we sing together. And singing together is a great way to make your family feel like a team. Um, So here's an example of our family singing together over Thanksgiving. We do this every time we're together. This is called the Choral Benediction. Uh, Composer's name is Lutkin. And I grew up listening to this. My high school choir sang it at every concert. A lot of churches use it at the end of, of their services. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. And give you peace. And give you peace. And give you peace. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. And be gracious. And be gracious unto you. And be gracious. The Lord be gracious. All of us grew up in school and church learning how to sing four-part harmony. 
And so, uh, while maybe that's not part of your family's experience, that doesn't mean that you can't have a great time singing and settling on songs that have particular meaning for members of your family or for whole generations. And if you share a faith, all the better. But if you don't, then maybe you share in something meaningful to your whole family, like a specific football team or a band. We have friends who, they all went to the Grateful Dead concerts all the time together, or a cause. So whatever it is, do it as a group and with as many family members as you can. These are just some ideas we have tried to implement, and I'd love to hear what you do. So please email me at grandlifeconnection at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at 317-572-7876. When you're a grandparent of many, the singular challenge is how to make each grand feel like they matter, like you've created space in your life for their specific needs and personality. In today's The Stretch It Takes, we don't have to bend over backwards to do that, but we do have to be a little more agile than if we only had one or two grands to consider. So let's go to the mat and think about how we might accomplish that within our own limitations. We can't always make everything fair and equitable, but we can keep it in mind. Every Christmas from the time I was 10 years old until I was 18, I knew what my grandmother's present on my father's side was going to be. On my mother's side, it was a Christmas card from Nana and Grandpa with a $5 check enclosed. But from my widowed grandmother, it was a bone china teacup and saucer and a dessert plate. The only thing that was different was the pattern of each. One Christmas it was Victorian violets, another Queen Anne, and yet another the Highland thistle. I kind of liked the predictability of the gift and also the mystery of the pattern, but I had no use for the actual item. That is, until I had children and grandchildren. For a while, when our own children were little, we would enjoy tea together using the Christmas gift china. I've always been an Anglophile, and so tea and shortbread and a little time together in the late afternoon was something I cherished, in the same way I cherished the tea sets from my grandmother. Now our grands enjoy them when we all sit down together for our traditional Christmas tea a couple of days after Thanksgiving. Every time I get out that china, I think of my grandmother and how she picked out those teacups just for me. I know that she also practiced that tradition for other grandchildren, but I like to think that as she perused the shop where she bought them, she picked out a pattern that I might like and thought about how I might use them someday. You and I both know that our adult children don't really want most of our hand-me-downs, porcelain dolls, big bulky furniture, fine china. They're all on Facebook lists of things our kids have no use for. But strangely enough, every time I pull out the china for a tea with them, they all playfully squabble over which two patterns they will be inheriting after I'm gone. Because I only have eight teacups, saucers, and dessert plates, each will inherit two sets, and they are happy with the math on that. They joke about enjoying tea with their spouse when they become seniors on a special occasion like Christmas Eve or Valentine's Day. Makes me so happy that my grandmother unwittingly but thoughtfully began this cycle of love and warmth. So you see, it doesn't take a lot to make a grandchild feel special. The effort can be fairly minimal, and it can still create an entire legacy for your grands. 
And it doesn't have to cost a fortune, but it does need to be a little unique and special, just like your grandchild. I hope this episode helps you think about what you're doing to create a bond with each of your grandchildren. If you have anything you'd like to share with us about that, please email me at grandlifeconnection at gmail.com or leave me a voicemail at 317-572-7876. We always enjoy connecting with you and hearing what you're up to. Next time on The Grand Life, we hear from two regulars on our podcast, Dee Dee from More Than Grand and Dr. Carrie Byrne, whose website, The Long Distance Grandparent, is full of ideas for connecting with your faraway grandchildren. Join us as we talk about our own New Year's resolutions and how we are working to accomplish them. And in early February, we're trying this experiment, a live video episode of The Grand Life, and it's going to be a cooking show. More on that later, but if that sounds interesting to you, mark your calendars for Saturday, February 5th at noon Eastern Time for a live video episode of our podcast. In the meantime, I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And thanks for joining us in Living the Grand Life.